<clears throat> Hi, this is Rupert G from the Hello Deli, and you're currently watching the Letterman Podcast. La, 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 la. Welcome once again to the Letterman Podcast. My name is Mike Chisholm. I am excited. Uh, I'm a broken record talking about how excited I am. I'm shooting a separate intro here. Now, for most of our shows, I like to have the guest on with me when I do the intro. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, our last episode with Suham being an example of that. Uh, but that's the exception to the rule. I like to actually have the guest involved in the intro if possible, because I always start the intro by, um, well, what I would like to say, you know, edifying uh, the guest and showing them the love and care that I have for um, for for them in their place in the greatest body of broadcasting work in history, which is that of David Letterman and company. Some would call it pandering. Uh, it's not, though. It's, it's literally coming right from my heart um, and the emotions, uh, the logic and 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 regard on an intellectual level coming from my brain for these people and i like them to hear it because i think it starts the energy it starts letting them know um uh you know either if it's research or or or, or care that i have for them in their place and they and it's cool when they hear it and and, and sometimes it's fun to just kind of get them feeling a little bit aw shucks before we we get going and again this is a group of people that are just Oh my gosh, are they ever, uh, is it ever tough to, to to get them to kind of even admit um, that they were, you know, did something great? Most of them will never admit they did something great. Some of them will admit that they were a part of something great, uh, which is, which is nice, but you know what? All good. Today is uh, we are, we're doing the intro separate because of I'm truncating it. Now I, I'm doing the intro beforehand. I'm actually staying pure to what the introduction is. Um, let's just see uh, how right I am about the things we're going to talk about today. Today, we're talking to Fred Graver. Fred Graver um, worked at Letterman early on. Again, late night. He's a late night writer, worked there till 1990. This is a dude who, and I'm a broken record in saying this, I am not the first to say this. Many articles have been written about this guy, about just the crazy stuff that he has done throughout his career. Everything from, we're going to talk, this. if I have my way, um, this episode, we're going to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the... Um, the Lampoon, the Harvard Lampoon, uh, because he was a part of that uh, with a pseudonym. Uh, very interesting to me. And then he moved over to Late Night with David Letterman, left, uh, became part of Cheers, uh, wrote a Choose Your Own Adventure book. And so if you're a Gen Xer like me, a Choose Your Own Adventures, are you kidding me? Like, the guy wrote a Choose Your Own Adventure book. I, I, I want to talk to him about um, a lot of these things. Went over to, uh, has done a, a whole pile of things. Um, the John Stewart Show, which... I love the Jon Stewart show. And I know many folks who, well, there's not many folks who listen or watch this show yet, but a bunch of people who actually listen and watch this show and uh, listen to and watch this show and are part of the community, uh, like our cult uh, fans of the Jon Stewart show. I love that uh, Fred worked there. Um, and then also has some crazy uh, um, adventures within broadcasting to when the infancy of Twitter and Twitter TV and things like that. Now he's working for Microsoft. Just lots of, uh, this guy has a ton of stories and um, 
experience. And I'm very, very excited to talk to Fred. Now he wrote for Dave for, for, you know, years, nearly a decade. And the crazy one, the one where they were really making their bones um, and, 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 and solidifying their place in history, um, you know, making, they were, they were mixing the cream and then enjoying the cream, you know, as far as I'm concerned from 93 on, don't get me wrong. They worked their butts off after that point as well, but they really made their bones in late night. And Fred was a huge part of that. Um, a lot of the remotes that Dave did. And I mean, he talks about how they are like a choose your own adventure, uh, you know, because you don't know what people are going to say or respond to Dave or, or, or um, that kind of a thing. And it's real time happening. And, and, and he has um, likened that uh, those two things together, whether we get to that in this interview or not, I'm not certain, but I, I do hope again, many of these first timers who come on the show, what we're doing here is we're creating um, we're setting the table and 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 getting a lot of the background stuff done so the second third subsequent visits visits we can talk about the actual bits and some of the memories and things like that as well so uh i hope you love what we're doing here once again the letterman podcast is brought to you by the hello deli um i am sufficiently caffeinated now oh i've been asked this question actually a few times here uh in our trip to new york but then even since uh from some letterman folk um, they wonder about my energy. And and I think Candy talked about it a little bit when 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 she was on um a couple episodes ago. Uh, I am naturally energetic. Um, but Fred's got a hard out. I'm shooting this intro because uh he's got a hard in and a hard out. We've literally got one hour and I want to just get to it with him. And so I normally wake up uh extremely energetic. I look outside, it's a brand new day, and I'm excited, and it just it's just for whatever reason, that is how uh, my wiring was set up. That being said, um, even though I loathe it, um, anytime I drink uh, coffee, um, I, 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 I'm like a little kid that does the just, ah, I don't enjoy it whatsoever. Every once in a while, when I know I need a superpower, it's kind of like Popeye with spinach to a much lesser, uh, less dramatic degree. I, I can have some coffee and suddenly my energy just goes like next level. So I have been sufficiently caffeinated with a, a nitro cold brew here. I'm ready for Freddie, uh, as the, uh, as the fat boys said, um, this is going to be a very cool interview that, uh, just delights me in my enthusiasm for David Letterman and company. I hope it does the same thing for you without further ado. The Letterman podcast is pleased to present Fred Graver. All right, Fred's here. Uh, Fred, this is the first time that we're meeting. I've I, shot a separate I, I intro. I yes, want to sir. interrupt yes, and sir. begin right away. I really applaud your courage at ripping the lid off the steaming cesspool that was Late Night with David Letterman. It takes a lot of courage to dig in and find out what the truth was. So let's talk now. Let's get it out and let's let the healing begin. Oh, I don't know about courage, but the steaming cesspool, um, it, it feels like, okay, talking to writers is one of my favorite things because there are the, the vocabulary. It's almost like a whole bunch of people, mostly men, uh, but I can't wait. I hope I can talk. To yeah, Meryl we can talk about that. We can talk about why that was. Yeah. Well, no, nah, I mean, nah, I don't want to get into that so okay. much. I mean, I think we all know that the culture has evolved in certain ways and entertainment. So being you're one you're of them, but, pushing, but, you're going to support the patriarchy. Well, I, I don't know if I'm going to support gonna... it. But... <laughs> well, now right I'm in the corner. Now I'm part of the system. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There is a lingo. Yes. Well, and that's just it. It's like 
it's like sometimes when I'm talking to one of you that 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 you use almost like you're it's you guys using David Letterman as a sock puppet. And and because I hear his words coming out of you guys, but then of course he brings what he has to it. So, we're gonna talk about you with remotes, especially. I, I can't wait to talk about that. So, so okay, so but but there's a yeah, there's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing going yes. on, right? Um you gotta, and I'm sure you've I I know that you've covered this, but you 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 have to go right back to here's Dave at the comedy store yep. on Sunset, living across the street in in uh, what then became the Mondrian Hotel, but was yep. a uh, uh, some kind of SRO at the time <laughs> with George Miller and uh, a young woman named Meryl Marco yeah. who got Dave. And and weirdly enough, Merrill had no interest in really television. Like yeah. she was interested in television, and and people can go back and look this up. She like, came from an art background, like, right? Huh? She had, she had an, an art, art background. background, so she was yeah. like, "Oh, Nam June Pike video experimenting <laughs> with video. This is interesting." <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she saw something in Dave, and it was, and and we could talk about this too, like the age of irony, right? And and so. You right off the bat, you've got this brilliant writer, conceptual person, Merrill, and you've yep. got this brilliant, brilliant performer and writer, Dave. Yep. And and so the first group of people that were hired, well, there's a, a bunch of people hired for the morning show. Yeah. And it kind of scrambled. Let's bring Gerard, who knew Merrill. Let's bring them in right now. That yep. it was the hiring of people for late night, which somehow I think through Jim Downey yeah. became a let's bring Harvard boys in here. Yes. So there is that ironic Harvard influence. And you got, you know, Steve O'Donnell and yep. and and Joe Toplin and and uh 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 God, I, I named a, a ton of people. I'm really bad with names and I should have written them down before we started. Um all good. Then you have some of them, a Tom and Max, right? Yep. Things like that. Some of them left right after the first year uh, to go to something called The New Show yeah. <laughs> that Lorne Michaels was doing. Thank God for The New Show. I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for Lorne stealing <laughs> people from The New Show. And my friend Kevin Curran, who was a Harvard boy, yep. Harvard Lampoon boy, uh, and I heard that Dave was hiring. Yep. Uh, we wrote a packet. And and here's I'm getting to your, your observation here. Sure. Um, we went in for an interview um, and we were told you'll be lucky to spend 10 minutes with Dave. Right. And we walked in with, uh, we were originally going to bring, I met, my mother brought me up right. And she said, you know, always bring a, a gift. Um, so, so, and it is by the way, that Midwestern sensibility, I think they clicked with Dave. Right. Yes. I was like, Oh, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I went to school in Indiana. Yep. And so, but originally we were going to bring a salami um, <laughs> and we did, we forgot and, and oh. we're walking down sixth Avenue and this was in the uh, uh, early eighties. Yep. And uh, uh, you know, people would sell shit, stolen shit right on the sidewalk. Definitely. And there was a guy selling walkie talkies. <laughs> so I, we bought a pair of walkie talkies and brought them up and uh, not knowing that Dave would just like immediately go, Oh, this is great. Yeah. We put batteries in them. I bought, we got batteries with, we brought batteries. 
I think we had to go to Radio Shack and I think we had to give them our address, which is, that's a whole problem. <laughs> um, so we bought batteries. Dave puts them in and the first thing we can hear are the taxi cabs on 6th Avenue, whatever frequency they had. And that was, and we were there for 45 minutes. You can't just write hanging that. out, yep. uh, uh, talking about the Midwest. And so, so your answer is, um, no, it was, there was a sensibility that was really strongly developed by the yeah. time I think anybody got to late night, right? Maybe in the morning show, they were still figuring it out. But we were hired because we could speak to that. Yes. And then I think the, the, the kind of unbelievable thing, except for the, right, except for like, say, the writing staff of The Simpsons, like yes. we, that, are, that, that team that stayed, you know, after the new show Exodus, we were there for eight to 10 years. Yes. That's insane in yeah. television talk. Well, especially right? that show especially that show with what you guys are doing. Uh, we have a shorthand on the show here where we talk about how you guys um, and, and every once in a while, a gal, but you guys, your team, what you guys did was every single day you were in the mine and sometimes you hit massive, massive uh, uh, gold, uh, huge nuggets, boulders of gold. And then you happily, dropped them down on the ground and continued to mine. And some of those gold nuggets or diamonds haven't been really even picked up uh, since then because there was another show the next night. And the breakneck speed of what you did was just well, phenomenal. And and I mean, we use that word a lot on, on, on this show too. It was just phenomenal. It was, I can't, yeah, I I just, can't believe yeah, it's it. It's so funny. Um, we were doing this show and so a lot of that was the organization of just having uh, uh, either either Steve or or Gerard was the head writer for a little bit, yep. or Merrill was the head writer. You know, we had a board, and the board had two weeks worth of cards on it, and we knew those cards needed to be filled. Yep. And the way those cards worked, um, even even the pace of coming to work, we came to work. People who were writing monologue jokes got there early, maybe 8 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. And maybe they've already started at home. I know yeah. for a while I was writing monologue jokes. And so I would start at home and then come in around 8, 8 30. Tough morning. to get a joke on the air at that point. Cause at that point, it's opening remarks and there's what, three? Maybe, three. maybe yep. three? Yep. 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 Um, and uh, everybody else showed up around 10. Right. And you stayed from like 10 to seven, 10 to eight, if you had something on that you needed to work on. So it was bankers hours. Right. Yeah. Right. There's this Pete, those guys upstairs at SNL, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday night, they didn't go home. Yeah. Right. But Dave had this kind of like, look, we have to just keep doing this. We're we're running a, a marathon, not a sprint. And and so so a so there's that. And then there's yep. the cards. Right. There's the board. We know there's like a cold. Maybe there's a cold opening. Yeah. There's opening remarks. There's an act one piece. There's a guest. There's an act five piece. Maybe there's something at the end and you got to fix, you know, and there's originally there's four shows a night. Right. Yeah. So a week, not four shows a night. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and so you just always kept your eye on it. And, and you knew, um, I think, I think, you know, for, I would say, 
everyone on the writing staff, and this is kind of true on writing staffs, period, successful television writing staff, everybody was kind of a self-starter. So yeah. they were like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a uh, uh, tooth and nail competition, but there was competition. Oh, you, for sure. You wanted to make sure that you were earning your keep. Right. Well, were you on the 13 week deal where your your thing was every 13 so, weeks you were Yeah, and it's funny. After after 13 weeks, actually, yeah. this is a better story. So after 13 weeks, I went to the then the executive producer, Barry Sand. Yeah. And I said, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Nobody's told me anything. Actually, it was 10 weeks because they needed to give me a three week. Uh, oh, just in case, yeah. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> and he's like, never come back here. You're do I'll, I'll find you. If it's oh. not working, it won't be on a 10-week cycle, and I will find you. <laughs> oh, okay, um, that's But cool. the best story about that is um, uh, first week, I'm in there, and we're writing, and and my, my partner, Kevin Curran, who we'll talk about in a second, and yeah. I, uh, came in with a stack of stuff. Um, including the morning show, which which was the show that got nominated that we wrote that got nominated for an Emmy, yeah. right? So we came in with a stack of stuff. We were ready. Um, and after the end of the first week, uh, I walked into Merrill's office and I said, "Gee, you know, am I doing okay?" <laughs> he says, "All yeah. right." By the way, How old a are you question, at this point? Kevin. A question Kevin would never ask anybody. Right. He was like, <laughs> "But, but, I was, hey, we doing you're early twenties right? at this point, right?" Yeah. 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 And so um, Meryl just goes, here's what you, you're doing fine. Here's what you need to know. I don't know if you've heard this story already. The name of this show is Dave's Attitude Problem. And every night people tune in to go, what the fuck is bugging Dave? <laughs> What's bothering Dave? Yeah. And and she goes, you, 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 you're pretty good. You're pretty good at kind of like what bothers you bothers Dave. So oh, that's what you go right ahead. You kind of go, what's bothering Dave? Yeah. And and so to go to to jump to the remotes. Yeah. Right. Um, because you were a big what, part of the remote, like the remotes. I, I mean, did. they got to the point where Dave could not walk the streets anymore. Right. So that was the problem of the remotes. With the remotes. That was yeah. the problem yeah. with the. But but so we'll we'll go back in just two seconds. My sure. favorite one about like what's bothering Dave. Yeah. Um, there are two of them. One. We show up and we had something all written and scripted. And the script was kind of like a decision tree. We'll go into that later. You know, if this happens, say this, right? Um, <laughs> this is the choose your own adventure portion, folks, right it there. It is the choose your own there adventure. And I, and I had written two choose your own adventure books. So we're all good with that. Delighted um, me about that. But yes, anyways, so, please so, continue. So uh, <laughs> Dave couldn't go because he had, he had a, a toothache. And uh, I was able to find him a dentist. Um and we went to the dentist. So what's bothering Dave? His tooth is bothering him. He went to the dentist. Um, the two, three jokes that I remember right off the top of my head, by the way, not scripted at all. Yeah. Dave was just like, let's get the camera and we'll go. And I'm like, okay. So first one, um, he's got a cigar in his mouth and uh, puts it out in the uh, sink, you know, in the washing spit sink. Um, second, asks if he can put some rubber gloves on too. I remember that. And then there's Hal's shot. And Hal, Master. people Master. haven't talked about the, the second funniest person on, this, on the staff is Hal. And um, he said, Dave, let's just get a cutaway. So here's your legs on the, on the uh, 
lounge on the on the seat here with the dentist, if you could just raise them up and lower them a couple of times, which is just what everybody does when they're hurting, right? And we just kept cutting back. <laughs> There's the sound of the drill. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was great. Um, there was that one. And then there was one where um, uh, he um, had a really bad cold. Yeah. And we decided to go see an ear, nose and throat guy. Yeah. Um, and I had called a doctor that I knew, a friend of mine, who was a, a friend of mine at the time, a, a, a Dr. Lou Aroni, who, by the way, was on the Dr. Team. Lou. Oh, my gosh. Dr. Lou. So I knew I, I just wanted to introduce David to Dr. Lou. My wife and I introduced the David amount of medical professionals that are in your circle are astounding, Fred. So well, my wife collects medical professionals. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. No, seriously. So my wife, just for those who don't know, uh, was head of the talent department yes. at Letterman. And constantly got requests. Obviously, you'd get requests from these charities or doctor organizations or hospitals. Oh, could we auction off two tickets? Could we auction off four tickets? And Betsy was always kind of like, sure. And your name is Dr. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you do again? Oh, great. And your phone number? Great. Terrific. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Betsy. Um, If if any of my friends ever need a uh, gynecologist, I will, uh, you know, can I call you? (laughs) So anyway, so Dr. Lou. And, And so we go and and we, there's an ear, nose, and throat guy who looks like he's walked out of, you know, a production of Our Town. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And 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 he he's saying, well, let's just spray this uh, thing up in here to to you know see what's going on. Yep. And I've got, by the way, Shecky footage of like uh, little people in a in a cave, right? Um, and 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 you probably know Shecky the phrase Shecky footage, right? So absolutely. So. so then Dave grabs the nozzle and he goes, whoo, let me just spray it around here. Um, unbeknownst to Dave, the solution is like 40% cocaine. Um, it was just weird. It was, And Lou told me like a week later, he said, geez, I didn't know how to tell you this. Um, and I don't know if I ever even told Dave, oh, you were just spraying cocaine around the room. Um, <laughs> hey, Don Giller, there's a clip. Let's uh, Walter, let's get that clip out there. <laughs> There's there's something we can isolate. Uh, I think the yeah. statute maybe of limitations is long behind Maybe it's us, the ten so. percent solution, but it was a lot. Anyway. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, and the statute of so, limitations, we're fine. We're okay. Fred. Yeah. We're, we're... <laughs> so so uh, yeah. So so yeah. So yeah. So what do we talked about here? We are. He was not a sock puppet. No. We were hired for various reasons. I did a lot of remotes. Yeah. Um. I so Merrill. Merrill, really invented the remote form, yeah. right? She invented, uh, uh, she did the, the probably the best one of all, uh, just bulbs, right? Which, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We were just in New York a week ago, and, and on our way out to go to LaGuardia, we passed Just Shades. Um, and and yeah, it, you're the delight of yes. seeing that. It was such an omen on the way out of New yeah. York after yeah. spending a week yeah. there. Oh, so beautiful. Those places are still around, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so. I went on a bunch of them with her and and it worked for me because I did have a background uh, in journalism. So for me, there was no problem going somewhere, spending a day walking around, trying to find out where the jokes were. Uh, back in the day, you would take Polaroid pictures and and tape them to cards and say, oh, here's a, here's a joke, here's a joke, here's a joke. We could do this. If they say this, you could say that. Um, Dave would approve it. 
the amazing thing for me, you know, we'd go out in a van. It was Dave and 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 uh, 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 Carl, the cameraman. Yeah. George Magda was doing sound, and Hal was directing. Literally, just a small group of us. We'd go out. We'd do it. Um, Dave would read the sheet. You know, two three pages. Leave them in the van. Remembered every line. But of course, was great on his own, amazing on his own. And the fun part was you go back the next week and you get three days in the edit room to make something. Yes. Right. So that kind of takes you out of the firing line. You don't need to worry about any little cards. Um, you're good to go. Were there ever any that uh, that you went out and shot and it's like, oh, here's a here's a surefire card. Uh, this is something that really, really delights me. I've seen. Uh, footage of, of of and I've seen remotes that actually didn't make the show. Were there ever any that you could think of that were like, yes, uh, there was that Polaroid, the thought, the conception was there. Uh, we actually shot some stuff, but it didn't get realized to the point where it made one of the cards. Was there ever anything, any of that? Or was yeah, did yeah, most yeah. of no, your remotes happen, get on the air? It would happen from time to time. I remember yeah. one time, um, this is really embarrassing. Um, I... Dave was doing a thing, and again, I think it's, I think Dave made this one up, and I don't have so imagine the days with the flip wallet, right? So yeah. Dave, and and this is important, and you brought this up. Up until I would say the fourth year of the show, um, we could go out in the street and nobody knew. Yeah, he was unassuming still, right? And it was great. Like you could go out, and once in a while, like we'd walk into a pizza place and they'd recognize it. Right. Sure. But it was fun. Like it wasn't yeah. like, and then there was a time we went out and, and we were near, literally near a, I know this is going to sound really cliche. We were near a construction site and the guys started yelling obscenities at Dave and being like, like, you know, whatever. And cool. Dave got in the van and that was kind of it. It was right. kind of, I can't, I can't because I can't go to a location and they don't know who I am. Yeah. Right. Um, so so that was a problem. And and so the one I mean, there's a few that I'm embarrassed about. Um, one. Uh, um, we went we were doing Mr. Curious. So Dave would walk up to people on the sidewalk. They didn't know Dave. Yep. And he would say, what's in your bag? Yep. <laughs> He'd be carrying a bag or something. Right. And he goes, well, you know, I can look in it. And he'd flip his wallet. He goes, because I'm Mr. Curious, as if he was showing a badge or something. <laughs> and people would show him, and then Dave would just riff on what was in their bag. And one time I suggested a location, not realizing that it was about a block away from the outpatient entrance to a hospital. And everybody <laughs> who walked by us was was ill. Um, and, and, and Dave just at one point was just like, what the hell? Like really, and we just we just hightailed it out of there. Um, yeah, there 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 are. Um, there was another one where I thought it would be fun to just um, go visit Pete Fadovich at home, um, and 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 Pete. It just didn't work. Yeah. I and I didn't write it well enough. I really I didn't go ahead and outline it. It was my fault. Um, completely my fault. We we drove away and everybody knew there's nothing there. Okay, can um, I ask you a question about that? <clears throat> now, I assume that this is not early in the run. Um, no, now we're like 
five, six years in. Yeah. Okay. So at, at, at that point, because I hear this sometimes it's where um, a writer might say, okay, like what you just said, I didn't write it enough. I didn't conceive it enough. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. But I could always fall back on the idea where Dave could just be Dave and could literally, you know, yeah, it so gold out of straw. It didn't work because we love Pete. Oh, okay. And, okay. Yeah. And, and it just felt uncomfortable to the point. And then the one thing that we thought, I can't believe I remember all of these things. It's weird. I, I, I think, again, just as an overriding thing, for those of us who were there, particularly those of us who were there at the early days of our career, where we were making up who we were as much as we were making up who the show sure. was, um, I just remember ton, tons of stuff. And yeah. I remember Pete had a neighbor who kept bees. Um, and so we, Dave did the whole beekeeper thing and yep. the guy, and it just didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing funny about it. And, and to Dave's credit, I don't know if he, if, 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 yeah, if he'd even remember this, but I do. To Dave's credit, he had his own car. He had, he had driven from home to Pete's house instead of from the office, but right. he had to go back to the office and he invited me to ride home with him. And was great about like, look, I know that just bombed. Do not worry. Like, like, let's talk about something else. And oh, and he cool. could tell because he could tell I was just like crushed. I just thought, oh my god, yeah, this is horrifying. I've dragged everybody out here. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, that's really cool because I mean, so often we hear. Uh, you know, stemming from Carter's books and also stories, anecdotes, uh, you know, about postmortems and things like that about yeah. after the show. But the idea, like what you guys did was not easy. And to hear, uh, you know, the, the the encouragement, we would hear also stories about how Dave and Merrill shielded many of the writers from the NBC executives or any of that yep. stuff that was going on behind yep. the scenes. Uh, so we hear, we do hear this, but the idea that you actually had that personally where, where, where Dave was, was encouraging and all of that, that's a narrative that just doesn't get thrown out enough because of the other reality that you guys also dealt with the pressures of that breakneck speed. Uh, I love that. Do you remember what kind of a car it was? Uh, that's a good one. I think it's a Pontiac GTO, something okay. like that. Yeah. It was like in that family. Yeah. Um, the American we did a muscle. video. We did a secret video. So during the there's that big long writers' strike. Yep. Um, yeah. That went on forever. I forget. Like in the third or I really like the third year of the show. Yeah. Fourth. Um, and uh, the mid '80s writers' strike. During that time, Dave turned forty. Yeah. So we, my Betsy and I and Hal and uh, Lori Guthrie. And uh, uh, Kevin K, um, Jude, ba Barbara Gaines, Jude Brennan, Barbara Gaines, uh, started. The original idea was just to tape random people on the street saying "Happy Birthday" to Dave, and we cut it together and say, send it to him. Somebody gets it in their head. Oh, why don't we have some of Dave's friends in it? So now we've got shots of a telephone with a microphone hooked up to it. And Steve Martin calling and 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 you know saying hi to Dave, um, and then we start combing through NBC and there's Tom Brokaw and yeah. and uh, 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 you, you know NBC personalities. Sure. Then it branches out into oh we could 
go to get the Yankees. And and so Betsy goes to Yankee Stadium with Lori Guthrie and gets Billy Martin and, and George Steinbrenner. And at the same exact time, I'm getting Richard Nixon. <laughs> Holy crap. So we had Nixon, uh, Mayor Koch, uh, 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 Jane Pauley, uh, all these people. And um, uh, it's like you're gophers and you've been digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging for so long in your little hole. And then you pop your head up and realize, don't realize shit, like, we've done we a whole field realize, here. Yeah. We didn't realize. Holy yeah, the shit. impact. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so send the tape. Yeah, we just sent the tape to Dave on his birthday. He gets it. He's home in California. Holy and uh, like a day later, I just get a phone call. And and I pick up the phone. This was the day before, the days before caller ID, right? Yeah. Hello. And he goes, Nixon, how the fuck did you get Nixon? <laughs> and here's the story. This is even better. So Nixon was in a recording studio in New York City recording some voiceover for something. He I just forget. happened to be and, in a oh, place Frank with Gannon, recording Frank devices, Gannon, which by Frank the way, Gannon, not a good right. thing. So for Frank Gannon Nixon. was a segment producer on the show. Okay, okay, okay. Frank I had gotcha. worked in the Nixon White House. I gotcha. So that's how we got to Nixon. So we're all getting into an elevator after everything's all done and, and everybody's kind of crowding in and Nixon's there and, and the door starts to, to, to close. Yeah. Um, and, and I got to the door a little too late and it literally slammed Nixon uh, up against the, the wall of the elevator, not too hard, but like an elevator. And then it bounced back hard um, enough. <laughs> and Frank forever was like, you fucking let the door slam on Nixon. You you could have reached your arm in. And I said, I I I just didn't. I didn't. I I blame my subconscious for that. I blame my unconscious self for letting the door slam. Um, but yeah, I don't know how we got into that. Um, that's something that will it never see matter. the light of day. It will never see the light of day. There's a couple of things that I did on remotes. Uh, that A, will never see the light of day, and B, I'll never tell you about. Okay, well, and fair enough. And I've, I've they had were really fun. Those... They, were, they were very, yeah. they, it got it got very um, personal. Yeah. <laughs> or something, yeah. Or or hilarious, but not fit for broadcast. I've heard, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of these tales, and, and or, crazily enough, there are a lot of them that are recorded, and there are sitting there somewhere on a tape um but but yes i i the the stuff that hits the cutting room floor many times is compelling i appreciate you going down that road a little bit um fred i mean you and i can have a conversation i want to talk to you like there are so many things i want to talk to you about like i want to talk to you about what do you think about elon musk with twitter i want to talk to you about things outside of the show you're really compelling when it comes to this stuff but there's so much letterman stuff we just had dave rogalski on the show and and he talked a lot about um you know again the show is positive we 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 celebrate uh what we call the greatest body of work uh in in history uh of broadcasting work um you know getting to 1990 when you left and he talked Uh about the pressure and all of the things that started to, to to be rolling by that point there uh the carson wheels were in motion things like that were you feeling the pressure at the time when you left or did you just know, because again, out of all the writers who worked for well, Letterman and company, you have the greatest kind of plethora of different jobs within the industry as well. Did you know it was time to stop being a writer and to move into other elements of, of, of broadcasting or uh, was the pressure there where you needed to get out? 
there wasn't a pressure to get out. Okay. Dave really, really appreciated people who were still there. Yeah. Um, and what there was, was about, what about the sixth or seventh year, right? We went to LA. Yeah. And we did a week of shows in LA. Yeah. And we had no idea up until then how popular the show was. Again, that gopher thing. Yeah. And and suddenly we're driving into the parking lot at NBC and we're using Johnny Carson's studios. And there's it's 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 830 in the morning and there's lines down the block to get into our show. And people are like, what? To huh? get into your show, not happen? Johnny's show, your show. So so yeah. there was that. Yep. There was then agents start to circle and start to tell you about the opportunities that are out there. Yes. And they were good opportunities. Absolutely. Um, and that coincided, I think, with uh, there's just a day you show up and you drop, you know, you keep using the gopher metaphor. I used to use the metaphor just like the bucket in the well. And you and you drop the bucket in and it just went clunk. Oh. And you realized... You know, it, it really, you're there for, it, and this happens over days. The agent thing happened over years where suddenly people are like, oh, wait, you know, I think the first, the first migration was, was the Simpsons, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I know my friend, Kevin, right? He was like, I'm going to go work on this. Actually, he went to work on Married with Children, but it's that Fox explosion. But yeah. you know, I'm talking to Jeff Martin and I'm like, really, Jeff, it's a cartoon. How long is that going to last? <laughs> How long is that going to last, Jeff? I mean, and there's guys there, you know. Tyler Shout out Mack. to Jim Brooks, by the way. <laughs> huh? Shout yeah. out to James Brooks. Shout out to Jim Brooks. Shout out to Sam Simon. And Sam, yeah, yeah. Look yeah. At those guys. So, so, um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, there was all that stuff kind of came together, and then for me, um, I met Norman Lear, um. Uh, through his through actually through his daughter uh, Kate and and um he was thinking oh I want to go back into television he had a couple of ideas literally for late night television and uh offered me a deal like come to LA spend a couple of years with me yeah it's like fucking Norman Lear <laughs> well well we talked to Steve Weiner you know when he uh, you know went to work for Robert Klein like I mean legend at that time, Norman Lear was a legend. Never mind now. Like at that time, he's at that a, time legend. He was a legend. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so I get it. You know, I also think to a degree, and I don't know. I mean, I'm now I'm guessing, right? Now I'll, I'll let you know when I'm guessing about <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Um, I think Worldwide Pants was partly a response to Worldwide Pants, the Ray Romano thing. All of that yeah. was a response to Jesus. I'm losing my writers. Oh, right. Wow. I think so to a degree, yeah. right? I think that's a like, great perspective. Wait, why are all these guys? And I'm guessing, but like, I, I, it has to have occurred to him. Why are all these people leaving yep. to go work for, and I could do this myself, right? I can go in and pitch a show and, and say that we'll produce it. Right. And so that, that's what I think. You know, hindsight being 2020 on this show, we talk about this. We talk about how, uh, you know, the dream, it's so funny how many times growing up our dream, we don't, our dreams are short-sighted. You know, Dave's dream was getting the tonight show and it was a, an obsession dream, you know, and, and, but when, with the, the, the benefit of hindsight, looking back, 
the best thing that ever could have happened to David Letterman was him going to CBS because he walked right into the Carson deal. The Carson deal included ownership and included yeah. uh, production opportunities. And and you look at you know some of the things that went really really well, Ray Romano. Some of the things that went moderately well, like Ed, um, and, and some of the things that didn't go as well. But at the end of the day, you had a lot more paints on yeah. the tray to see what you could make on the easel. And and um, I think you're totally totally bang on. And we've never heard it that way though. The idea that, I mean, right now I, I'm trying to pitch pants ideas as to, you know, a worldwide pants podcast network, me and a few others are, are pitching this idea because there's so many of you guys out there. I think of Steve Young. I think of some of these other, the other people who have these projects, wouldn't it be great if there was an outlet for these amazing creatives who just want to throw something out there. Um, you know, uh, Bathtubs Over Broadway with Steve Young is the one that comes to my head right, yeah, right, right yeah. now. But but the idea that Dave could do that for these folks that were leaving at the time, the idea that it was plugging a hole in the bottom of the rowboat is compelling. It's never been said on this. Fred, thank you for that perspective. That's yeah, I, I folks just, I mean, that's a, I just thought, right? Yeah, um, it's a great sense. one. Yeah, and so, you know, yeah, and then, the other, the other thing that's interesting about just careers in general. Well, first thing, you know, you make careers in general, but but you're right. The 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 switch to CBS for Dave, um, meant, you know, and it's interesting to me how the beginning of those years, everybody was like, it's Dave versus Jay. Yeah, I feel I feel like as as somebody who was still watching the show. About two or three years into it, I think Dave said, fuck it. I do my own thing. I'm wondering if, you know, Les Moonves said to him, somebody said, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Yep. You have a completely different audience. Yep. Go ahead and do what you do. It's a distinct offering, right? Yep. Um, uh, as they say in network television, it's a distinct product. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and you watched him. And it also, those are the years when you know he became such a good interviewer oh yeah and i think that's that's the unsung like, you know if you if you kind of look at like you're talking to me about those early years of dave yep you know um at late night yep. the early comic innovation years yep. and you end the in, in, on the late show with the years of being really the best interviewer on television bar none Without a doubt. because he was such a good listener. Yeah. He, well, he's naturally and, curious, which is why my next yeah. guest is so good. Because he'll go sit down with Billie Eilish. And, and many of his audience are like, why the hell are you interviewing Billie Eilish? No, he's genuinely curious Watch as him to with, what has made her yeah. the phenomenon that she is. And that curiosity then translates to even hardened people who didn't think they would care. But by the end yep. of the Tom Snyder-like long-form hour, they're invested. Yeah, and watch him with Lizzo. Yeah. I mean, him with Lizzo to me is is the best of his entire series. Yes, right. It and it, including <laughs> so he's great with her. She clearly loves him, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, and just the fact that he's able to show a clip of her from five years ago, magic, amazing. Again, but there was that ownership thing part, right there. He owned that. My favorite part is she asks him to get in front of the microphone, and he does classic. 80s Dave. Yeah. Speaking about how he hates himself. I'm ugly. I'm this. I'm 
And I was just like, you're in this, Lizzo is this, this, this fountain of positivity. And you've decided to sing about how you're disgusted with yourself. I love that she was strong, that she was strong enough and not intimidated to call him on it. And that's one of the things that I love uh, that, that these people that he interviews are all yeah. very much know who their identities are and they can yeah. call him on stuff like Seinfeld when Seinfeld interviewed him. There are many times where Seinfeld would say, I think you're full of crap on this or, or, or whatever. Yeah. And those are really compelling to me because I think Dave, I don't know this for a fact, but I think he craves that. I think he wants somebody on the other side. He of the wants chair. a real conversation. He yes. absolutely yes. wants a real conversation. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because that's the uh, right. So, so yeah, that's the link between the, the, the two poles here is you're always looking for a moment that breaks through the canned nature of broadcasting. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're I could not looking, agree more. Could this, and now you go back to actually um, Merrill. So so Merrill and I bonded on who's William Wegman. William Wegman with the famous dog pictures. Um, very early on in the 70s, experimented with video. Um, and some of his video experiments, I saw, I saw them at the museum of, uh, at the art Institute in Chicago yep. at, a, at a display. And there were things like, you have to realize it's like, so this is very early video, like home video. So it's black and white. It's grainy yep. here. The, here's the camera. And we'll, the camera is tight on like, all you're seeing is this it's William Wegman's naked, uh, torso. Yep. And he's got a can of deodorant and he's spraying the deodorant onto his armpit and talking about how much he likes this deodorant for until the can runs out. <laughs> so the stuff is running down his torso and falling up and it's looking disgusting. Yep. And he's just talking in this, I, this is so great. It gives me, you know, and it, it uses all the cliches, yep. 24 hour coverage. Right. Um, so he had that. And then he did, had, did a really interesting thing with one of his dogs he put a dog biscuit in a glass jar um, and the audience, again, people like in a museum, just watching on little benches, <laughs> horrified. Oh my God. Cause the, the, the dog's going to break the jar. The dog's going to, you know, like, and it was that right. And she and I talked a lot about that, about just how hard it was to, to create something on television that didn't feel like it was prepared. Yeah. That, it, that something real could happen. Yeah. Well, I think I think you guys did a really good job. We talk about this on the on the show a lot, actually, about how you guys broke the fourth wall. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, there's a hunger for this right now. Folks like me who who felt like we were a part of the show uh, because you did break the fourth wall. Yeah. And the cast and crew were not like Johnny, the show business, everything show business, show business. No, no, no. The cast and crew were regular folk just like us. The viewer mail segments, which, again, incredible uh, mine of, of 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 unlimited comedy uh, that could come from that. We were all a part of it. And I think the part of, you've just touched on, one of the things that made us feel a part of it was you took the everyday life and things, the cute things my dog does, that, that if there was an audience who would watch it, they would universally applaud or be horrified or have an emotional response to it. You guys made that a centerpiece as part of the show, but had a world-class broadcaster helping to helm it. 
so was taking it seriously in, in, right, in right. that so, regard. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like you guys are just goofing off. No. You know, this this is, so yeah, yeah, because there was a lot of, um, again, right, this could go wrong. Yeah. Stupid pet tricks, it can go wrong, yep. right? Uh, uh, and, and, and a lot of it, yeah, yeah. I, there was one, I want to talk for a second about my, my, my friend, Kevin. Curry. Please. Um, uh, so Kevin, I met Kevin when we were both at the National Lampoon. Yeah. And uh, we hit it off immediately. Um, uh, Kevin was just brilliant and unique and weird. Hmm. And every, you know, the great majority of writing teams uh, have two people, who one of whom is the workhorse and one of whom is the show pony. <laughs> and I was the workhorse. I was the guy getting in at 10 in the morning. You know, I'm going to type this out. Yeah. And Kevin would walk in and this is what the show pony does and just go, no, it's this. Oh, wow. And you go, fuck. So here's my favorite story about that. Um, and it goes back to, hey, this might go wrong, but it's going to be genuine. Yeah. So there was a viewer mail question and there was an era in viewer mail where it stopped being, how can I get tickets to the show and got it into like, oh, I'm going to write a viewer mail that gets on the air. Yeah. And it was, what do, and if I remember correctly, it was, what do Burt Reynolds, Sally Fields, and I can't remember what the third person was, but it was somebody like, and I'm carbon dating this joke, Morgan sure. Fairchild. What do, they, <laughs> oh, what do Burt Reynolds, it. Morgan Fairchild, and Sally Field have Great in common? That was, yeah. the, that was the viewer mail. And so I'm in there trying to come up with different alternatives. And Kevin goes, well, they all get their nutrition from a salt lick. So we hand it in and Dave approves it and they do a card with the three faces and then you pull a plastic little overlay and they, these cartoon tongues come out and there's a salt lick. <laughs> and and so Dave does it and it just, there's just a stunned silence awesome. in the audience. They really don't know why this has been done. And Dave starts just cackling. And Paul's laughing. And it's just, this is so surreal. <laughs> and then he just moves on to the next, and he's just like, okay, and we'll just move on to the next thing. And to me, A, that was Kevin. Just, yeah. just Kevin was capable of that in, in ways that were just amazing. Um, and 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 B, that 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 was part of the thing. It's like, oh, let's, you know, you get you have the Randy Cohen things with the 360 degree show or yeah. monkey yeah. cam. And it's like. Yeah, this is a recipe for this just going wrong. That's why we're going to do it. <laughs> it's so great. And and it's funny. Um, I said this to O'Donnell. Uh, I asked O'Donnell this at the beginning, uh, during one of our, our parts with him. It was like, as a writer, would you rather have a wide open field where you can do anything or like a shoot that you would have to go through, uh, you know, with some parameters? And it's like, okay, how can we then take these parameters and be as clever as possible? Almost like it was an open yeah. field, but the shoot is actually really important. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess Steve opted for the shoot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think it was safe to say that, um, you know, even though uh, I think we, we it led into the fact that, that you guys didn't feel constrained by the rules of the tonight show and all that stuff, that stuff was uh, Dave and Merrill kind of shielded you guys from that, but there was that those constraints that you had. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, once viewer mail was viewer mail, you guys knew you could kind of do almost anything with that because that, 
there was nothing like that on TV at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you said a couple of things. Yes. I'll just agree. <laughs> you said a couple of things and then I was just like, oh, wait. And then I completely forgot what I was going to say. Okay. Well, so, next, next time. Now, here's another thing here. We have, uh, I've already alerted the, the viewers through the intro that we have a heart out here and, and all of that. Um, I, I'm going to tell you uh, one of the things that I would love, an aspiration that I have for this show is that we actually take a show and dedicate it to uh, the Lampoon because, and the Harvard connection. Um, throughout all of me as a Gen X viewer, who never got involved in the industry, uh, we've always heard the jokes about Harvard and Harvard writers and this. Like if you're a Simpsons fan, if you're a Simpsons aficionado, you've heard these jokes all the way along. Um, you know, Krusty the Clown throwing books at Harvard writers and hitting them in the head, that kind of a yeah. thing. Uh, um, I, I would, I'm fascinated. I would love to have some of the alum on here, maybe a few of you at the same time and talk. I'm not about an them. alum. I have coasted for years <laughs> on people thinking that I went to Harvard. So it worked for me with Dave because I went to Notre Dame. Okay. So where's so the Lampoon? Because like, you wrote for them as a student. No, I wrote for the not? National Lampoon. Oh, you wrote for the National Lampoon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. that's but part so, of the misconception. So for years, have. for years, when people, when it worked to my advantage to have people <laughs> assume I went to Harvard, I just kept my fucking mouth shut. Um, when it worked to my advantage to go, those fucking Harvard boys, I would do play that card. It worked great for me. <laughs> you wrote for the National Lampoon um, under a pseudonym, right? No, I know I wrote it my own name, but this is a good. I'll tell. I'll, I, I I'll tell the story as quickly as I can because it's okay. a good story. Um, obviously, the founder, the two founders of the National Lampoon, yeah, uh, were were were, were um, Doug Kenny and Henry Beard. Okay, and both of them were Harvard boys. Yeah, Doug was Doug was. I met Doug once, but but Doug was a fucking just he yeah. Our sense of humor, if you you, you can track from Animal House to through Ghostbusters, yeah, that is the that is mine. That is all a direct connection to the to Doug Kenny and the National Lampoon. And to many so Gen Doug, Xers, a religious journey right there. What you just said. There you that, go. So there's Doug. There's Doug. Yeah. Doug. Uh, Doug goes to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, makes Caddyshack. And then falls to his death tragically in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin, by the way, lived with Doug for a summer. So there you go. Um, so so after Doug, um, a guy named PJ O'Rourke took over the National Lampoon, conservative, conservative humorist, uh, PJ yeah. O'Rourke. Um, and then uh, uh, after that, there was a guy named Jerry Sussman, who basically was kind of just keeping the magazine running. Okay. Jerry hired me as a copy editor um, okay. because I could copy edit. I knew how to copy edit. I had come up in newspapers. I knew how to do that. But I also knew how to copy edit in a way that wouldn't kill the joke. Uh, right. So if it's okay. misspelled or there's stuff missing or whatever, I know, oh, that's a joke. That's yeah. why it's there. And I'm not like somebody going like, anyway. So yeah. uh, and I start pitching ideas and I get a bunch of stuff on. Yeah. Jerry leaves the lampoon. And uh, Sean Kelly, who was one, who was one of the original National Lampoon people, and I are in a room one day. That room is probably a bar, and <laughs> we decide to create a fictional editor in chief that is a, an amalgam of all the past editor in chiefs. Oh, that's genius! And we called him L. Dennis Plunkett. 
and L. Dennis's editorials at the beginning of every issue right. were always uh, uh, Webster defines satire as right. They were just horribly pretentious <laughs> and terrible. And then it would begin to reveal uh, how he worried about uh, this was a Henry Beard reference. How he how his family never forgave Roosevelt uh, for how he got us out of the depression because you know Mama lost all of her you know. You know, Pa, Fa lost all of his, you know, fortune. Right? What a and beautiful device. And then when mail came in to L. Dennis, I would answer it. And so somebody wrote in one time and said um, that I also had to answer the slush pile. And right. if there was somebody who was kind of close and like we really actually wanted to reply to, I would reply to them. And then they'd write again and I go, ah, it didn't work out this time. Thank you so much. And somebody decided that they were unhappy with the way they'd been treated by me. And they wrote to L. Dennis. <laughs> L. Dennis wrote back to him and said, thank you so much for helping me get the goods on this graver guy. <laughs> I have been trying. If you could just Xerox the correspondence, I will get on this right away. Um, then the guy Xeroxed the correspondence and sent it in. And then I just got a pang of conscience and just dropped it. I no, no, I thought this is cruel. This poor guy, he thinks he thinks he's got it in at the lampoon now. And I said, I just sent him a kind of like, thank you very much. This is under investigation or something like that. <laughs> but I, I felt bad. I felt like, like, oh, geez. So it's probably, you know, morning Fred felt bad about what. <laughs> yeah. OK, there it is. Yeah. Done. And and so, yeah, so that was that. Oh, um, that's an awesome actually, story. What an awesome device that is, though. Uh, the idea that you could then be representing some, like, what a beautiful ping pong of comedy that you horrible. have there for yourself. That's, that's yeah. awesome. But the, the, the thing I learned at, at the National Lampoon, um, they the writers' meetings there were vicious. And people would just say, that sucks. You know, you'd pitch something and somebody'd go like, that's stupid. And you'd just go like, okay, I got another one. <laughs> yeah yeah like walk in with 10 ideas walk in with 15 ideas and hope maybe one survives which was exactly what, what happened at what, what it was like at letterman well it's the classic is this anything right uh you know and and we can we can choose to respond to is this anything with with kindness or 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 just no emotion whatsoever um but but yeah, yeah i i asked uh, uh tommy ruprecht who came along after uh, he was in late show uh, great moments in presidential speeches. That was uh, that was all him. Yeah. And, and um, I asked Tommy about that. It, was there ever uh, things that that you wish would have gone on? And 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 he goes, you know what? The things that I can think of were in the first couple months, because in the first couple months, that's when you have these ideas and you're you're attached to them. After a couple months, you don't get attached to anything because it's one in ten, one in twenty, whatever it is that even get any attention whatsoever um and yeah. that's the life of a comedy yeah. writer the other thing that's interesting is that um dave always remembered pitches even if they'd been rejected oh, that's so so for the first couple of years i was there i suggested hey why doesn't dave rent a convertible and drive through a car wash holy crap and and so Dave turned it down. And then after the writer's strike, yeah. I remember he mentioned it to Steve, like, maybe we should do that now. Yeah. And I was shocked that he had like remembered it. Um, there is a fatal flaw in that remote. 
<laughs> so, so here's the fatal flaw. We go to Avis. We rent a car. <laughs> Dave drives the car to Queens. We go to a car wash. Dave stays inside the car with Carl, the cameraman, and goes through the car wash. Yep. Completely mic'd up and everything. Yep. Um, drives back to return the car. The car, by the way, there's two inches of water inside yeah. of the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fatal flaw is that Dave is wearing dry clothes when he returns the car. And the reason that is, is that um, uh, the chemical, whatever fucking chemicals exist <laughs> in car wash water, um, were horribly uncomfortable for Dave. And he was just like, I got to get out of these clothes. I can't wear these. Um, and, and, and we all rode back and I tried, I said, come on, put him back on. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't going to happen. I think he did develop a, sh a slight rash, like over the weekend. <laughs> I felt terrible. And who, the person I really felt terrible for was Carl. Carl was covered in plastic tarp with the camera <laughs> having to ride through the car wash. Um, and yeah. years later, a pitched. Okay, that is that. I don't know that we've ever heard that because I mean, people remember that remote. I don't know that uh, you know. Yeah, I think you, it's you could never. You a, can't really. You can't. I. I. I never. I tried every once in a while to repitch something, and either Steve or Dave would catch it and just go, "We've heard that before." We've heard that before. Oh. Unless you have a new reason, right? Oh wait, now that blank has happened. Yeah. 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 So we've got. Unfortunately, and I, I apologize. I have a day job. Yeah, uh, no, no. Which is you're working for you're, you're a tech guy too. Like that's it's what really you developed into. I know. Here's a, so so I'll tell you in one minute what yeah. what I do because it's weird for an old comedy writer to be doing this. Um, I work with people at Nuance and Microsoft uh, who work on conversational artificial intelligence, and I help write what the machine says to humans and how the machine will understand what humans say, and. This is a market that, that for this is a job that didn't exist three years ago. Yep. But then as AI got smarter and smarter, they said, well, maybe we need people who actually know how humans talk. <laughs> Can you make them funny, Fred? We I have tried. Um <laughs> I I've been working, I, I do some work uh for the New York City 311 system, understanding yep. that. And I keep pitching. Can we just have the system from time to time just go forget about it? Yes, there or, you go. Or if somebody uses obscenities, yeah, right, which people do, they call, they go, fuck you, put an operator on. Uh, just go like, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Oh, see, right. And I keep pitching that, but they won't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I love this. I, I appreciate this so much. Um, do you think your wife would do the show? Oh, geez, I don't know. Okay. I, that's a that's a big 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 if I don't <laughs> I don't know I don't know um yeah well uh, if you could put a good word in for me um, I will um, I will uh, yeah. that would be amazing I think that she would have a, a tremendous uh, uh, perspective I don't I would... think I don't think I don't think she will I think the only yeah the only way she might go on is if it was like her and Barbara Gaines together. Well, I would love that. We're trying to figure out a way to get Barbara on the show. She didn't give me a flat out no when I saw her last week in New York. She gave uh, my one of my best buds is uh, one of my favorite people in the world is a guy by the name of Scott Ryan. He wrote this book. Barbara Gaines is uh, featured a lot in this book. And I, I referenced that to her. 
uh, I said, Scott got you. And she goes, yeah, but it took a lot of work. And uh, hey, I'm, I'm willing to yeah. put in a lot of no, work. No, it's, so- it's hard. You know, just I think in, just in general and, and you know, uh, good for you for, for tracking this, trying to do, you know, um, I think people in general are very protective of, of Dave. Yep. And of all of us. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, regardless of the joke that I started with, um, it was not a hellhole. No, I've worked in really bad fucking shows and bad. It was jobs. a family, Fred, a generational family, by the way. It was, it was weird. It was weird that, yeah. And there were people who were like mad at each other and some yeah. people, you know, like every, uh, any like, family, <laughs> absolutely, like any family. But uh, again, because of who we were and what point in our careers, we were making ourselves up as much as we were making the show up. Well, I certainly in this show, and and we've made no bones about it right from the very beginning. uh, We talk about how we don't deal in scandal or gossip. Uh, Obviously, if there was something with a guest on the show or something like that, that's fair game. But we don't talk about the parts of family that you wouldn't talk about. Uh, And that's uh, that's me, you know, earnestly wanting to protect exactly what you're talking about. And and with the assurances, I mean, we're 30 something episodes into this thing. And and, and I think that uh, the words getting out a little bit about how our show wants to protect exactly what you're talking about here. Uh, because again, I'm just, I'm, I'm pissed off that the world has forgotten who Johnny Carson is. Um, and, and, and that's not going to happen to you guys. If I have anything to say about it. Yeah. Um, hey, have I got, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. When you watch Bill Maher. Yes, sir. Is he, it hasn't he like taken 90% of his gestures and mannerisms and timing from Carson? I have, oh, that is so crazy that you have said that. I was talking to somebody the other day about not, that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No, it's but, not. But I watch him and I go, it's, it's the yep. shrug. Yep. The, this, you know, yep. he does it. Yeah. It's the whole, I, yeah. I'm going to ask Mark Malkov about that, who hosted the Carson podcast. He's been on this show and, and I'm going to ask him about that because I, I was, I forget who I was talking to. He just had Leno on not too long ago. And so I was really interested. He's got a podcast now. And so- one of us made that exact observation that it's almost like he's trying to channel channel Carson in how it is in his, his manner. That's crazy I guess, that you just said that. Yes. I think I think a lot of it is um it's just who he grew up on. I, I don't think it's like a bad thing. I just no. think it's who he is. You know, in the same way that if I get up in front of a group of people um and start talking, um Betsy, my wife points this out all the time, I start doing Dave's hand gestures. I start or I start picking up I, using his rhythms. And it's just because yep. for years I was just laser focused on this guy. Yep. For me, yeah. it's vocabulary. I have a ton of the words that I say yeah. uh, came from, from from words that he would say, like, you know, oh, my Lord, or or, or just different different little yeah. things. Here's George. Here's George Miller's joke. Um, uh, oh, uh, this is a great way to finish was, right here. What was what was? Yeah. Yeah. What's Letterman's? And he did it on stage. So I'm not fucking with it. Uh, what what's David Letterman's idea of foreplay? Let's get on with it, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> We're finishing. Fred, come back on the show. I can't wait for this. Uh, okay. You and I will communicate offline um, later sure. on. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for everything that you have oh, done. Thank you. We appreciate you. And we will talk to you again very soon, hopefully. Okay, thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Take care. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Okay, you know what? He just uh, exited, and I'm just going to keep going and finish with the outro here. Um, 
I love when I have a hard time keeping up with uh, with the guest. Uh, by the way, I stepped on him a couple times. Um, uh, um, there's a couple times with Zoom. I'm starting to get good at it, but sometimes I'm still uh, fatally flawed, as he as as Fred just said. Uh, I'm fatally flawed with with over talking with somebody. So I apologize to the audience about that in real time right now. Uh, we'll just keep going in one cut. Um, <laughs> uh, you're about to see my reaction now. Every single time I finish with a guest, Every time it has happened every single time I've had one of these former staffers on the show. And uh, instead of hitting stop, which I normally do, uh, and then go <laughs> and have this feeling of, wow, what a cool conversation that was. You're seeing it in real time right now uh, as this show evolves. Um, Fred Graver, phenomenal. Again, I use that word all the time because it's how I feel. There's no better word. I, I'll get, I'll, I'll consult a thesaurus. I will consult a thesaurus. There we go. Um, I'm going to blame the coffee on that one. Um, and, and try and find other synonyms to phenomenal, uh, that I can insert into the vocabulary. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I just am really grateful. Um, what Fred talked about, we've talked about it on the show. He doesn't necessarily know that, uh, that, that, that how many of these people are so protective of things. And, and as we move forward as a show, uh, you know, as our community grows, you know, that's going to be a standard that we have. And, and I mean, you know, people make jokes and things like that. We're going to have the standard of being as protective as, as we can about the personal things, about the family things, um, that stayed family. And, and that's great. That's what we need to do because then it allows us to um you know talk with some freedom about all the other stuff and why are we all here we're not here for the the, the behind the scenes family stuff that, that that people don't necessarily like to talk about we're here for all the other stuff we're here because of the commonality uh i i referenced the conversation uh, that i had with barbara Gaines in in new york and and i mean i'm not telling um candy says i need to stop saying telling tales out of school i don't think i'm breaking any confidences when i when i say this uh one of the things that barbara said is she she just kind of looked at me and it was just as the, she was about to walk away um, down 53rd Street. And she said, you know what? We're just all crazy. You know, and it was in reference to the staff and the family that Fred and I were just talking about. And um, I don't know if crazy is the exact right word. I think sometimes it certainly is because we all have this, they all had this askew sense of humor. And I think that many of us feel that same way. I know I certainly do. And um, I'm just very appreciative of this family and um, God, Fred, and Fred had so many things like he worked on Cheers. He worked on all of these things. He worked on Twitter when Twitter was getting into TV. Now he's working in, you see what he's working in right now. The, the places that he has gone since the idea that Dave, you know, and, and company created worldwide pants for the idea that, that maybe the exodus would be a little bit different. It could be a, what, what do we do now within the family? Uh, I love that idea. That's something that we're going to explore on the show. Um, Fred Graber was just a, a phenomenal guest. Sorry, there's phenomenal again. I appreciate every single person that has watched or listened to this show thus far. Thank you very much for giving us a chance. Uh, for the ones who are globbing on to the show, um, fantastic. Let's build a community. Join the Facebook group. Um, and... and um, for those who have come on the show and who are about to come on the show, we've got a couple of really cool interviews. Uh, I've got another one tonight, another writer. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm having so much fun doing this. And uh, uh, I, I am 
excited for the fact that uh, these conversations are actually touching other people too, whether it's in the dozens or right now we're in the hundreds uh, with all the platforms, you know, over a thousand every episode. And, and, and that's, that's, that's gratifying uh, to hear that other people are enjoying this as well. Um, please feel free to send feedback, join the Facebook group. Let's make this a community. If, uh, if you have ideas that are smarter than me, chances are you do, because uh, I ain't the sharpest tool in the drawer. Please send them in and we will start incorporating them. Um, this has been another episode of the Letterman Podcast with Mike Chisholm. Um, coincidentally, I am Mike Chisholm. Our, our guest today was Fred Graber. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you and good night. It's the awkward moment when I say thank you and good night and I hit stop. That moment in between there, there's an awkwardness. Let's just live in that moment for a second, shall we? So awkward. Overcoat and underpants. <laughs>